Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, this week has felt really long. It felt like the news, the stories for the NHL, the games this week. I mean, the Leafs lose to the Arizona Coyotes. The Canes get trampled by the Bruins. Uh, Vander Kane and Connor McDavid. Uh, Bobby Clark talking, having buyer's remorse about Nolan Patrick over Kale McCarr. And, and that all hold, does not even hold a candle to Kodak Black in a luxury suite daggering on a girl. <laughs> on his partner. I don't know who the girl is. I don't know who the woman is, but everyone lost their minds at Kodak Black in a luxury suite box in Florida. (laughs) I don't even know where to go with that. I feel like you're walking me into a cave and the lights are out. Like whatever I say is not going to be good here. No, it's not. It's just so what was the video replay on that Kodak Black thing though? Like, was that a good goal or not? I, <laughs> it's not conclusive. It was it was inconclusive. The evidence, I thought. So, so someone did a fake like NHL um uh, player safety video where they yeah, actually like scouting the refs everything. did it. It's amazing. Oh man, I apologize for not being able to keep composure over this, but we're talking about one of the wildest nights in NHL Twitter history, in hockey Twitter history. Um, like hockey Twitter amazing. was pretty horny that night. Like it was crazy. What was going on there. <laughs> Yo, it was horny, bro. <laughs> I stayed right out of it. Like yeah. I, I just watched from the sidelines. <laughs> Dog. I was just, I, I just thought, okay, well the NHL is tweeting about him being here. And then when I saw the video was out, I'm just like, uh, <laughs> what the hell's going My on? My favorite part is that the Panthers like, front office is in the next box and you can see like some of those guys are like looking some of them are trying not to look like it's man what a thing what a thing like, we'll never forget that we'll always have kodak black at a panthers game did you know who kodak black kodak black was before that game no if I'm absolutely being not no. no that's true i figured you didn't i i knew who he was but like i did i did not realize that so many people in the nhl world uh would uh, after what happened on Tuesday. But uh, that is something I'm going to laugh about for a long, long time. Yeah, like I, I can't pretend to be up with uh, what's going on in in the day-to-day world. I don't even know what day it is. Like you said, this week's been slow for you. I feel like it's been fast. Like I can't believe we're Thursday already. I just think it's long. It's just like, it feels like there's just like so many things kind of like happening and like, it just feels like a bit of a whirlwind. It's because you haven't uh, been able to sleep since this Kodak Black incident. Like you've just been up for three days now at this point. Pretty much. Like I have this weird thing where I keep waking up at 3 a.m. on that note. Like you're not completely wrong. Um, so, okay. Let's be serious here for a moment because there are some serious things we have to talk about on the CJ show. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Because, Can we get out uh, of the ditch? Do you think like, are we so far down? Like this show is nah, just already a lost cause or what? No, nah, nah, this show is never a lost cause. CJ, I, I rebuke the idea that our shows are lost only because we laughed our asses off about Kodak black doing his thing in a luxury box. <laughs> 
And Roberto Luongo, Roberto Luongo, shout out to him on Trombone One, uh, tweeting about that too. He very, he may very well have been next to Kodak Black. Uh, well, in, in the box anyway. anyway yeah, he might have been I, the I, second. I, he might have been the second videographer for all we know. That, that, <laughs> that second video emerged. It could have been, could have been taken from the Panthers' box. It was pretty close. <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to be professional. I'm trying to keep maintain my composure. The second shooter on the grassy knoll. <laughs> what does that mean? That's a <laughs> reference to the JFK shooting. Unfortunately, I'm mixing. What? <laughs> <laughs> Da, 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 da. Can we get what Jesse the? Blake just to like restart the show right here? Like, I think the first 10 minutes are just like lost. The grassy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Composure. Listeners of a certain age will understand the grassy knoll reference. Everyone else will think I'm being sexual innuendo, which I'm not. Evander Kane and the call and and, it's not the Colorado Avalanche, the Edmonton Oilers. CJ, you you made the comment about how you You're hosting the show. Get your stuff together here, Julie. I am. I'm trying to, but you keep bringing up grassy knolls and whatever you're talking about. I don't know what the hell you want. I'm not going to see anyway. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Let's actually get this show on the road here. The Edmonton <laughs> Oilers, the last few days, uh, we've talked about them and the fact that uh, they have expressed interest in Evander Kane, uh, who is on unconditional waivers, filed a grievance because of the fact that uh, pretty much his salary is off the books here. And Connor McDavid was straight up asked about whether or not he'd want Evander Kane on his team. And uh, well, he didn't say no. He did say it was a bit premature but uh, I'll, I'll try to read the quote here that or read a quote that has gone around here. Uh, just yes. Again, it is speculation, but he's not here to discuss. I'm not really here to discuss optic issues. If fans don't like it or the media doesn't like it or whatever, it is what it is. I'm sure there's lots of things that go on on the ice and whatnot that fans don't like. We don't necessarily have to discuss those with you guys, the public opinion is obviously something that matters a lot, but we're trying to win games. A lot of people got upset. A lot of people felt away about Connor McDavid's comments about Evander Kane. CJ, what did you think? Well, he's he he's just being honest, really. Like, I, I don't see any problem with it. And I know you probably want me to come out here and rail and say Evander Kane's lost the right to be an NHL player and this and that. But it's just not the way it goes. And look, there's been a lot alleged against this guy. There hasn't been a lot proven. And so, you know, back to the summer, if the allegations that he bet on his team or whatever came true, okay, I, w- I would take a different tact here. Um, but, you know, look, he's, he's clearly someone who gets in his own way. I, I mean, of all the things that's ever been said about Evander Kane, I was thinking this this week, no one's ever commenting negatively on his play. Like he he was a top draft pick, I think, in 2009, a long time ago in sporting terms. And he's been a damn good player the whole time on the ice. So the only question, of course, is what happens off the ice. And so, you know, I, I I'm not troubled by teams being interested in him. I know some people have taken that that view, but, you know, the proven evidence isn't there to me. Like what's clear is that he finds he finds mischief at minimum, right? Like I'm trying to be fair to the guy. Like he, he, he finds his name in the, in the news or what, what you have you for the wrong reasons more than most players. But 
you know, he, as far as I know, like it's been a long time anyway, I don't want to go too far down this road, Julian, but like, I, I think he could still play and I get that the public perception might, might not be great. And if you're Edmonton and you've won two of 14 games or whatever it is at this point, he's a perfect fit for their team. Like at the end of the day, he's signing with the Oilers. I think if everything goes well, I mean, what's interesting really is that this league investigations cropped up. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what sums up a Vander situation better than I'm pretty sure he was going to sign a contract on Wednesday with somebody, but on Wednesday, the league circulated a memo telling teams he was under investigation for what happened when, while he was in the AHL. And so that kind of sums the guy up to me is that he's always sort of embroiled in something. It seems, um, but, you know, if I'm the Oilers, I'm a little, I'm not as worried about public perception as winning games either. And so, you know, we're not, it's easy to conflate things in today's day and age. Like there are, there's athletes we know that have been convicted of very, very serious crimes. Uh, I know Evander was arrested during his time with Buffalo. Um, but, you know, some of what's been alleged against them, a lot of it hasn't been proven. So, you know, I, I, I don't think, this is the equivalent of certain players that have been given second or third or fifth chances in other sports. Um, you know, I get, I get that he's, he's got a track record, but again, um, absent cold, hard proof of some of this stuff. I, I, you know, I don't think he should be in a spot where he can't continue his career. And it's going to be interesting Edmonton. Like I, I, it's not done, done of course. And, and, you know, honestly, if he gets a, a long suspension from the NHL, I mean, it might kill all this anyway. Like, he, he might just be done this season as it is. And so that's that's probably where we should be focused more than anything is that these teams were were interested in him, and all of a sudden the interest died off the minute the league was investigating. Yeah. Uh, you may know more than me in terms of what's been proven or what's not been proven. I just know if I was an NHL GM, I just think there's just way too much noise around this guy for me to even consider wanting him in the locker room. However, I'm not at all surprised that Connor McDavid said what he said because Connor McDavid has been engineered to win hockey games. We, we talk all the time about how the team in Edmonton is doing everything that they can, should be doing everything they can to maximize the peak of Connor McDavid, who again is in it to win games. And Evander Kane, we like we've, you, you just put it, made the point, no bad things to be said about him on the ice. He would fit if we're strictly talking about on the ice, what the Edmonton Oilers need. I'm not surprised at all. A lot of people got upset about that. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not saying I agree, but I was not surprised that Conor McDavid said what he said about Evander Kane. He wants to win at the end of the day. Of course, he's going to make that opinion. And he wants help. You know, if, if we get into the hockey here, it's it's been a long time for us after that Kodak Black beginning and then the Evander Kane stuff. But, I mean, the truth is, is if you're Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you want help on your team. And that's not to dismiss everyone on their team. Like, I think those guys feel like they're being asked to shoulder too much. I, I look at the Oilers. They they play those players too much, which I know we've talked about a little bit. They don't have a third line or they haven't had a contributing third line. Like Evander Kane helps solve some of those problems. You know, you, 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 you put Kane on the Oilers and then you're running Kane, McDavid, Hyman. You can move Hyman back to the right side, which is his natural side, even as a left shot. Then you go to your second line. You probably got Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the left wing there if he's not centering your third line with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. I think you know, Dreisaitl likes playing the Yamamoto. You have Puliyarvi then, Puliyarvi down the third line. Like You start to get more balance. So you're, you're giving 
your team may be a different element. You're giving them someone who scored a lot of goals. Vander scored a lot of goals in San Jose last year. Again, like the hilarious, maybe it's not funny, but like the, the funny thing that gets lost in this is that this guy has been really good as a player. Um, it's the other stuff that you're worried about and the perception and everything, what, what it might do to your locker room, all, you know, preconceived notions, everything. Um, but if you're Edmonton, I think you're looking at this, like there's very little risk. You know, you're bringing him in for 40 to 50 games, depending when he signs, depending what happens um, with this NHL investigation. You're, you're paying him probably a little less than $2 million on the contract, prorated too. And and if it doesn't work, nothing venture, nothing gain. You're acquiring him for free. Um, you know, the other options that they're going to acquire at the trade deadline won't be as good as Vander Kane. They're going to cost a lot more. And so... This is this is where we're at. This team needs this team needs something, and Connor McDavid needs a winger. I think I think Connor want wants this to happen. Honestly, uh, I know he wasn't quite that enthusiastic, but my understanding is he's completely on board with with this happening. If if the, the Oilers and Kane and the NHL, if it all if all comes together, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, the thing about uh, we keep talking about his play, and we keep talking about how good he's been. This is something that professional sports has taught us pretty much in almost every single professional league you can think of. It doesn't matter if you have troubles or issues that plague you off whatever playing surface that you play on. If you have a shred of talent, if a general manager or someone thinks you have what it takes and you've shown that in some ways that you have what it takes to help a team they're going to take a look at you and they're going to want you on your team. It doesn't matter if Evander Kane has had the troubles with COVID, possibly well, possibly breaking COVID protocol, fake vaccination cards, troubles with teammates in Winnipeg, allegations with, with, with his partner or gambling or anything like that. All these things have been out there. But because of the fact that he is able to score 20-something goals a year, was once a 30-goal scorer in the National Hockey League, could very well still be if he joins the Edmonton Oilers. Teams are going to take interest in Vander Kane. We focused a lot on the Edmonton Oilers because of the fact that Ken Holland I gotta made say, his though, man, But so many just, other teams are interested in him. It's not just Kane, though. Like, I have a – this is just my – this is my two cents on this. Sure. And I get I get that like the world's moving on for me in some ways, but how do I put this? Because this is actually a much broader statement than just anything pertaining to Evander specifically. I do think there's a rush to say no one should be able to work ever again with any allegation. And I don't just mean this in hockey, honestly. Like it's it seems like a like I think it's something social media social media is so immediate, right? For all of us that sometimes you see something that that sounds bad or is bad or whatever. And then you're just like, Oh, that's got it. Like enough with that done with that. But like the world doesn't work that way. And I do think that there is room for secondary chances for people. Again, this isn't just Kane. Cause I think Kane's actually more complicated because it isn't, we're not really talking about a second chance. We're talking about a number of chances over a long period of time. But right. in general, I do think sometimes we're a little quick now kind of in the, the way things work to just say like, well, this thing may have happened or didn't happen. It sounds bad. Like this person's done. I, I don't think it should be that way. I mean, the truth is none of us are perfect. Um, mistakes get made. I, I, I you know, I, I do. I like the idea of second chances. Quite honestly, when it comes to Kane, like my personal feelings on him, I actually, it's, it's a sad story for me because 
how great his hockey talent is, again, it's not to be questioned. You know, just what we know. Like, if, if you accept that we whatever we know about him is probably just a fraction of what's actually happening in all ways, like good and bad. But like he should have, you know, his family should be set up for life with the kind of career he's had, how great he's been, how long he's been great. You know, I was I was on TSN last night with Gino Reddy. He threw out the stat and, and so I didn't do the work myself, but I'm sure Gino's right. Like in his three years in San Jose, he was like first in goals, first in power play goals, first in shorthanded goals, first in uh, penalty minutes. Like, like he's he, even at age 30, he's been great as a player and he's he he does find this trouble off away from his job. And so I actually find it to be a sad story or, or, you know, and I, and I actually kind of, and this might sound weird. I root for the guy. Like, I hope, I hope he can turn his life around. I know he's got a young family and, you know, it, it doesn't bring me any pleasure, I guess, to see the way this has gone. Anyway, I'm, I'm veering in all directions here, Julian. Like, and I know it's no not, dude, you, it was no, not no, your no, point, here's... but no, like, I don't think we have to, I'd like to see us extend grace to people. And I acknowledge, look, if you if you go across the league, like it, the the allegations against him are great. So I understand why some people want to just say. But what I know about him, like, I don't know what's all true, I guess, is, is the point either. And, and anyway, here's what I'm going to say. These are complicated topics. I feel like we're getting back into here's, like a covid discussion. Like we're, we're going into like here's you know, OK. That's fair. But here's just one last thing I'll just say on that. And then I'll try my absolute best to just make it more just about whatever you can tell me about the investigation, if that's a thing. But the one thing I just want to say about second chances is I'm not above people getting second chances and third chances and even fourth chances, but they have to earn it. I think Evander Kane should know that He's been maligned in so many different things before COVID that he should not be putting himself in a position where he's getting investigated for breaking COVID protocol. I understand that there are people who mess up and they do bad things and they ultimately through their own ways. Yes, they're going to have to lose privileges to certain things, but they should be able to work their way up. That being said, they have to do the work. And maybe I'm speaking from an outsider's perspective about Evander Kane, not at being as plugged in as some other people might be, not, not having ever met the guy, but just looking at how he's handled himself over the last little while, I have not seen sufficient enough evidence to lead me to believe that this person has done enough work to warrant himself getting that second or third or fourth chance. And that has to be accounted for, not just for Evander Kane, but for anybody, Antonio Brown or anyone else who has committed some kind of transgression. There are some transgressions at the end of the day, maybe they're just beyond forgiveness from you know public opinion and you're just going to have to do the work yourself. But at the end of the day, if you're just falling into other opportunities and you're not working your ass off to prove to everyone that you are a different person and you're changed. I don't see any reason why I should root for you. And it hurts me as somebody of a person of color who watches Evander Kane and wants to see him succeed, but he keeps falling ass backwards into these problems. Like, I don't know. Like I understand why you would root for him. I understand why the people would root for him. I have a hard time doing so because for me, I'm all about showing your work, show your work. If you want me to believe that you've changed, don't get into shit with where you're traveling on planes with COVID, allegedly. Don't do that. That's what I'm going to say on that topic. That's all we can say on. We can leave it at that with regards to Evander Kane's character. Um, well, I am you know, still. But we okay, should, go we ahead. Say, though, what's funny about him, Julian, like people that I talk to around the league that know him much better than I do, say he's a smart guy, which is kind of interesting, right? Because 
I think it would be easy to look at the list of things that we'd always done or he's been alleged to have done and say, like, what an idiot. Like, how does he keep doing this? But like, yeah, he's getting in his own way. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's just a fact. I mean, he filed for bankruptcy in the last year. Like, how can you ever put yourself in a position where twenty three million dollars remaining on your contract can be terminated? And I get that that's going to be contested. There's going to be a grievance. Maybe he'll get some of that money. I don't know how that's going to go with the, the arbitrator. Not going to prejudge the outcome, but you know the truth is, is you would think you'd be on your best behavior given the circumstances. You know, I and I would say this too. This is his. I won't say it's his final, final chance, but wherever he signs now, like he's getting to the end of the, like he's going to run out of people that are willing to give him extend him chances. And you know, this is about a lot more than money. I think in his case, but money is a real thing for someone who's filed for bankruptcy who has a family who's only 30, like he's got a long life to live no matter what happens with his hockey career. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And, and it's why I think like he could imagine him playing with Connor McDavid. Like we haven't even gotten to the hockey stuff, but like, no, that could be like, what an opportunity, like all these other, this is the reason I assume he's signing in, in Edmonton is like, let's imagine we don't know what's going to happen at NHL investigation. Like if he gets hit with another 20 game suspension, he's probably not signing anywhere this season. Just my feeling. Like, I don't think a team's going to go near him. But if he doesn't, like, there's lots of contending teams that want him or are interested in him or made a call to Dan Milstein, his agent. But no one is offering him the left-wing spot beside the best player in hockey right now. So, like, this this could be his last best chance to, to get it right. And everything you said is totally right. He's got a – there's nothing he can say at this point. It's about showing he can do it. Yep. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I think just the conversation about Evander Kane, I'm I'm here for the discussions. I understand why these things happen. And it's something that in professional sports we see a lot of, of guys who have the the past that they have, but they still get those opportunities and whether or not that should continue to happen. But I also like it, it this isn't me endorsing it. I I understand I see that that's what GMs and teams do. At the end of the day, they're in the business of winning and it's just vaulted up at this priority where people like Evander Kane are going to get those second or third or fourth chances. It's a really fascinating discussion for me. Uh, I liked how we were able to just kind of go back and forth on different sides of that. And I, I know you're worried about the COVID combo, but I think sometimes oh. having these conversations that are, are, can be very interesting. Yeah. We're off script um, is all I'm saying. Like we didn't plan this and we just, I'm going in all different directions and, I haven't thought through everything I've said, so I'm exposed a little bit, but like, yeah. And you know what? GMs and coaches, they're judged on winning, right? Like, like think, think back on our pod this year when we talked about Travis Green earlier in the year in Vancouver or Dave Tippett, even in Edmonton. Like, we're talking about this team isn't winning enough. Is this guy going to be fired? Like, is his livelihood going to be taken from him? I mean, straight, like, we, we say it shouldn't be about winning or losing, but then so much of how we view these performances of, or the, the job of the individuals tasked with the jobs, like it's just down to winning and losing like Edmonton. We don't doubt that they have some of the best players on earth. Like that's not even a question, right? We've, we've bigged up McDavid, his goals, like every like it's amazing, but then they, they win two games in a month and we're, we're trying to tell people they, they should lose their jobs. So, I mean, we're part of, we're part of that too, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and we're certainly not alone, but I'm saying this is how media discusses teams. If, if you don't win games, we're saying, hey, take away your job and someone's kids hear that or what have you. And so it is all about winning and then and, and winning incentivizes maybe making decisions that we could also say aren't all done for the right reasons. 
Yeah, I mean, we're all about winning until the winning. We're all about winning at all costs until the cost is something that's kind of blending on our morals. That's right. that's what happens. It's sports it's really twist us into a pretzel, man. It did. It, it absolutely did. They do though, like all the time, because like I'm guessing you're like me, Julian. Like I grew up obsessed with sports. I I'm still sports. Am. I still am. I love sports. It's like giving me my whole livelihood. It's what I talk to my friends mostly about, my dad mostly about. Like, I love it. And, and what do we love? We love the games. We love, hey, this, this person did something cool. This team's great. This team sucks. And then the problem is, is we hear about the real human side of things sometimes. And it's not entirely in line with what we're meant to, you know, like what we're, we're judging. So anyway, it's 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 actually complicated when you love sports as much as we do. It's complicated. I think if you just have a passing interest in sports, maybe you're this doesn't all get mixed together. But when you're in our shoes, man, I mean, what I mean, I think we know I'm you know, I'm I'm an old ass man now. I know what's important, but I spent most of my life just obsessed with sports, with hockey in particular, since I was a little kid. Um, and sometimes this stuff, it all gets a little blended, right? It's not there's not clear lines always with 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 everything. Nope, it absolutely isn't. Uh, I want to move on to uh, a story you wrote in the Toronto Star titled Lost Gates Hurt the Maple Leafs the Most and Another Flat Cap Season Would Compound the Damage. In the subhead here, there is growing concern across the National Hockey League that lost revenue because of the pandemic will result in the salary cap remaining at $81.5 million for a fourth straight season. And uh, I know, obviously, you have it from the lens of the Toronto Maple Leafs, considering uh, the salaries allotted to them. But well, and wow, I'm running I, the Toronto I'm, Star. <laughs> yeah, that that too. Yeah, yeah of course, you kind of have to. Uh, but definitely, they'd be one of the teams who would not like the idea of playing in another flat cap. Uh, but yeah, you, you, I mean, the pandemic reeking revenues as it is, of course, we're in this situation. Well, here's where we're at, right? I think there's been 29 games rescheduled in that were meant to be played in Canadian buildings from December 27th and through January. And so, okay, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if, if we, you know, if we budget 2 million a gate, cause you know, the Leafs are at the high end, about three and a half million is believed to be their, their nightly gate. I mean, you're starting to see that money slip away from overall, overall league revenues, which is what the, the cap is based on. And I think that the problem we have is we don't know what each jurisdiction across the country is going to do. Like, are the Leafs going to have full fans the rest of the season any game? I don't know. I don't know what the province is thinking, but I think it's reasonable based on how the restrictions went in the past that at some point maybe they get to 25% or 50%, but they're not back to 19,000 fans. It might be months. It might not even be this year. Like, I don't even want to put that in the universe because I don't want to even imagine a world where there's playoff games again without full fans in any of the Canadian buildings. Like what a travesty that felt like last year. And I get that it's a public health crisis, but like, I mean, yeah. So, you know, that, that article is reporting based on people I talked to that, that teams are worried now the the cap isn't going up. <clears throat> I did reach out to Bill Daly this week and he, and he said basically they don't have the answer like they haven't been able to renew they they projected at the board of governors meeting there would be a slight raise in the cap for next year 82.5 million and they haven't renewed their financials but mostly because there's too many unknowns right he wasn't dodging the question it's just they don't know and 
you know, it does hurt a team like the Leafs. And, and just for fun, let's go through the Leafs situation, right? Yes. They, they sign William Nylander. They actually negotiated hard with him. And I think they have a great deal with him. If you look, he's having a career season. If you look at other players who produce like him, like that's a good value contract. I think you had to hand the whole keys to Austin Matthews because no, there's no center in hockey that's almost ever scored like him in history. Uh, and if you look, he scored at a 60 goal pace since he signed that contract. So yeah, he, you, you'd like a longer deal if you're the Leafs in hindsight, whatever, but you know, he, he was going to name, he's, he's one of the five players in the league that's naming his contract. Essentially. They didn't, they didn't go hard at Marner, but like the whole bet with all those players. Yeah. They committed 40 million, including John Tavares to their, their forwards. But the whole bet was over time, it would be easier to digest because the cap goes up every year. That's what happened for forever. And it's just bad timing for them. This is not, they didn't foresee a one in 100 years pandemic, essentially. No, you know, no one did. No. And if you go back to March 2020, Julian, a week before the season shut down, the league had a GM's meeting where they said next year's cap is going to be between 84 million and 88.2. And that was for, mm-hmm. that was for two seasons ago. Like, in that alternate universe, we're at a $93 million cap now, $95 million cap, whatever it would be. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I thought course, about that. Of course, we only have to go to cap friendly. Half the league is above the cap. So it's not only the Leafs that have been hurt by this, but like their, their bet with those players was that, okay, we overpay them maybe a little bit to, to keep them happy. We have, the mo- we have some of the most talent in the league. And then over time, it gets easier. But the truth is, over time, it's going to get harder for them because they, they can't sign anyone else long term, really. Like they've signed Morgan Riley this year uh, for a contract that starts next season. Like, what are they doing with Jack Campbell? Jack Campbell might be the Vesna Trophy winner right now. He's certainly in the convert. Like, he's in the top three, I think, on anyone's list. And he's an unrestricted free agent. Like, I'm not sure they, they can keep him, but it's going to require shipping money out in some other way. They have other players. And then, of course, they're just going to lose some guys around the margins. So a third liner, say like Ilya Mikheyev, who's got four goals in the six games he's played this year. Like he's probably just gone. Not it's not even a comment on his ability. I just don't think there's a fit for what he wants to make and what they can pay him. And then, and so, you know, their whole like the whole way this was structured gets gets turned upside down by the pandemic. And then they're also one of the teams losing the actual money. Right? They've already right. played two games without fans. I don't know. They're going to play 20 more though fans or with limited fans. I mean, <clears throat> anyway, let me, let me, let me give you a second here. Uh, so like, I just think with, with the Leafs, like be, you may bring up a really good point. The fact that they've pretty much like tied up so many of these salaries and these forwards. And like, I think of a Mitch Marner, like people were bringing that up last year. What do you, what do you do with that guy? What do you do with the salary that he's making? Like he shouldn't be making it. I don't know if he, should he be making anywhere near Austin Matthews money. Like, what do you, what do you do with that? Like, if you're going to be in a situation where the Leafs are realizing, okay, we're in a cap world, a flat cap world, someone's going to have to move. Is he someone you think about moving? I don't think they'll do that. You know, this is actually the beauty of what they've done. I'm I'm highlighting all these problems that, that exist challenges, you know, and every front office faces challenges. I think that they've been smart not to trade these guys. Like they're as we're recording this, they're third in the league in points percentage, right? And this is such a strange season. I almost feel like we don't even talk about what teams are good right now. Like we're always so fo- like not just you and I, Julian. I mean, in general, like, but like the Leafs legitimately have a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year based on what we've seen so far of the games. And and Mitch Marner is actually not having his best season. You know, he's been injured and he's been on the COVID list this week, so he hasn't played the last couple of games. But 
the, 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 the beauty of how they built their team is they have so much depth. I mean, Tavares has had a bounce back year. Matthews is still a monster. Nylander's having the best season of his career. They've signed some players like Michael Bunting, Andre Kasha, David Camp, like guys that have really fit in nicely to the overall mix. You know, I, I think that they understood that their advantage was having sort of more weapons than most teams. I mean, there's a few other teams out there. We might say that their forward group lines up with the Leafs, Edmonton, maybe Colorado, depending on how you view their top players. But there's not that many teams like you get to the fourth or fifth team and you're like, I would take the Leafs forward group straight up over that team. You might like their defense. You might like their goaltending. I'm not saying, that, but they're legitimately a, they're they're a problem for teams. And so I think they've been smart to stick with their guys. I think they'll stick as long as Kyle Dubas is in charge. I don't see that changing. The X factor, of course, is if they lose in the first round again, if there's a change in management, I mean, the next person is going to come in and probably make a big change. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't see, as long as Kyle Dubas is making that decision, I don't think he's trading any of Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and no GM on the planet would willingly trade Austin Matthews at this stage of his career. Just, I mean, he's, I mean, he's got a case. He's another guy. Like, no one's talking. Like, he scored 17 goals in 15 games, I think. It's just, like, normal. He's having a great year. <laughs> no, but like I'm just saying, like it's just like, oh yeah, he's he's gonna score basically like 0.72 goals a game, and that's just normal. Um, and he's also become a much better rounded defensive player last last season and this. Anyway, they're gonna be a problem for other teams. They have their own problems. You know, some part of my job is to point that out in the newspaper, but the truth is, is they've done they've done a really good job, but it it does suck for them. Like even $1 million cap raise, like it, it might not sound like a lot, but it would make a difference in what they're trying to do next year. Just, just trying to have the best players around their core guys, trying to, you know, retain some talent. And, you know, they're one of the teams, like I think they're losing the actual money by not having fans in the building. And then they're also going to have some sort of competitive cost, I guess, if the cap doesn't go up. I wonder how much money Jack Campbell could make uh, when it comes Starts to with a five minimum. Yeah. Like, you know, Cal Peterson got five million on a three year deal. It could get to six. I mean, the question is, will his second half be as good as his first half? You know, I don't have yeah. his numbers in front of me, but he was close. He's between 930 to 940 and he's played a ton of games. He's won a ton of games. He's got four or five shutouts. And he was great last year. So he's he's starting to build a resume that isn't just this season. So the absolute floor as of now for his contract is 5 million. I could see getting somewhere close to six. You know, we've seen goalies start to make six, you know, Markstrom, I think got six in Calgary, but if, if Jack Campbell finishes this year above a nine thirty, if he has a good playoffs, like all those things, I'm not saying he's getting in Toronto, but he's getting that somewhere. And I, <laughs> I actually think it's likely he stays in Toronto. I think the Leafs really like him. I think he likes it with the, the Leafs, they're, but they're going to have to find a way to move Nick Ritchie, move Mrazek, you know, do something else to, to make all that, that, that those numbers fit in place. But, you know, if I was guessing right now, I'd say he's a Maple Leaf next year. I just think it's going to, the fact he's had such a great season, it's going to be great for him and his family. It's going to create another issue for the Leafs to manage, you know, at some point here between now and next season. 202 goals against average, 935 save percentage currently. How many Jack games? Campbell. Like 27, in 26? In 20, 27 games. You got 27 right on the money. Right. So we're not we're not talking about, I mean, we're expecting, you know, most goalies to start 50 games now, like a number one goalie. So he's more than halfway to what his regular season probably will be. 
you know, it maybe he struggles in the second half. Maybe that comes down to nine eighteen, and it and that's still a great year, but maybe different conversation. I mean, the trouble with goalies actually is pegging their value, right? Yeah, because so many great goalies, even still, they fluctuate what they give, but. Like he's, he's, this guy's building a res. Like what a great story. Jack Campbell is first round, pick, like more than 10 years ago, walked around the wilderness for like a decade. Even I was there the night the Leafs traded for him. They traded for him. It was one of the weirdest things I ever saw. Yeah. So the, it was a game at Madison square garden and Michael Hutchinson was having to play. I think Frederick Anderson must've been injured at the time. Basically they were forced to play Hutchinson a bunch because of their circumstances. They needed to get, Someone better than Hutchinson at that point because he was struggling. They literally, the rumors started to swirl post game that they traded for Jack Campbell. I remember asking, I can't remember if it was Kyle Dubas or their PR person, Steve Keogh. I can't remember, but like we were trying to ask, they they ignored us, and then they walked down the tunnel, like because it's you know the seventh floor, I believe MSG's on, and the players and tend to walk down like a long bus tunnel, and they turned into the tunnel, and then they like let hit send on like announcing the trade. <laughs> it's like after the game, like they didn't want to talk to us. They didn't want to tell us anything about it. And then they announced the trade for Jack Campbell. And like, honestly, there's no discussion ever at that point. Like, is this a good deal for the Leafs? Like the Leafs were in a desperate situation. They just needed somebody to stop a puck to win a game. And this guy's become a, a rock star for him. Like, honestly, like Steve Breer is the Leafs goaltending coach. Like, I think he deserves a ton of credit. Jack himself deserves a ton of credit. I'm not sure anyone believed it was real. Even last season, like what he went 10 or 11 games to start the year. He was injured a bit. Like, I think everyone's just like, Oh, you know, goalies are goalies. Like sometimes they go on weird runs, but this is, you're getting enough in the bank there that someone's going to pay him 5 million, I think. And, and probably six. And I think it'll be in Toronto and might cost him another player, but you know, that that's a problem for another day. They got to win a playoff series first, right? That's what it's all about. This is what yeah. this whole season is about. Like, let's like, we can dissect any issue. All or say, nothing. We can say that they've won whatever they've won, 20 of 27 games. I think they've won. Like They're on a great run. they got to win a playoff series. That's that's what this comes down to. Yeah, it absolutely does, all or nothing. Um, I don't so want to see Steve Daniel if they don't win a playoff series. Put it that way. Uh, judging how he looked in, the, in his latest LFR after that Coyotes game, could you imagine if they lose in the first round this year? I don't know if he has it in him, though, anymore. Like I don't like know the, either. Like he, he needs, he needs to do something different. Like he needs to celebrate some wins. I'm not saying that to win the cup, but I'm not sure he has it in him to just empty his soul anymore because they've, they've laid a beating on him these last number of years. Yeah. I, I think, dude, I think a lot of soul searching might have to happen if the Leafs lose in the first round, but you know what? Let's not put that in the universe. I think let's they're not, playing Tampa let's not do right now. Like this is, this is another problem that's not they're doing, but their division's so strong. The Eastern Conference this year is so strong, frankly. Yes, the Metro, is. the Metro is just like the top four teams. It's like a pick them right now, um, and this playoff format doesn't favor anyone. But the point is, the Leafs aren't getting a soft first round opponent. And that much I can already predict. I don't know. There's half a season to play, but they're going to play a Boston or a Tampa or maybe a Florida if if they fall out of first place in the Atlantic. Like it's not going to be easy to achieve this aim. And so, and they're, and they're not going to be a fa- and, and Leafs fans are not going to think of the not not going to think of themselves as a favorite, regardless of who they play. No, so many demons there, but they could finish fourth overall in the league and still start on the road in round one. Like that's how good the Atlantic is. If you look at the other teams, you know, and I don't know what's going to hold. Like it's weird because we're in January, but it's still early in the season because of the way this this, this is gone. But man, talk about nightmare fuel. 
like one of the absolute best teams in the league, going to play one of the absolute best teams in the league. And, you know, the game seven's got to be on the road because, you know, they're going to play a game seven. Yeah. Like this is remember we talked earlier about how we both love sports. We just know sports yeah. is going to give us a game seven. Like, I don't know who they're playing. I don't know what's going to happen. But like, let's just fast forward 40 games of regular season of their play because we know they're playing someone in game seven and round one. It's going to come down to one game. It's probably going to be a two one type of game, which is essentially what they played the number of those game sevens. I know there's an empty net goal against Montreal. I think it was three one final that game. But anyway, it's basically going to be a, a flip of the coin. And the question is, can their guys score a big goal and get some saves? CJ, let's get to stick taps before you start making more and more Leafs fans worried. I'm all over the place today. I'm, I'm just like, it's okay. I'm bouncing okay. around. I need you to keep me focused. So for stick taps, uh, this is the segment we do every week where we show some love uh, to someone who is deserving of it, whether in the hockey world or somewhere else just in life. Uh, I wanted to shout out Megan Mickelson, uh, who unfortunately did not make uh, the Canadian women's hockey team for the 2022 Olympic games in Beijing, which are next month. Holy crap. Uh, Megan Mickelson had reconstructive knee surgery uh, in June, I believe. And almost pretty much six months after the surgery finds herself skating and gives herself a legitimate chance at making the team. Unfortunately, she does not make it, but she put out a really cool statement. Just, just detailing what her last few months have been like. And she's still, you know, standing above and rising above and just feeling proud of herself for what she was able to accomplish, despite the fact that she fell short of making the team. And that's not a losing mentality. That's someone who realizes that they gave everything that they could and they've endured so much and they put themselves in a position where they had a legitimate chance to make the Olympic team. And I know she's played and won with the Olympic team, but it would have been a really cool story for her to make it. But I still think it's a cool story nonetheless. And I think she deserves a stick tap from uh, from both of us. Yeah, I love that story. It's a reminder that you can't just measure results, right? I mean, you got to measure process too. And it's it's a hard thing for any of us to do. Um, but I, I think it's really important. And I love that she shared that because like there's some vulnerability in that, right? Like she put that out right as it's announced. She doesn't make the team essentially. Right. And so that that was really cool. I'm going to go a little less serious than you, Julian. And I'm going to I'm gonna stick tap Kale McCarr. Like this guy... I've talked a lot about Kirill Kaprizov exciting me. Like this guy probably for me is the most exciting player in the NHL right now. That's not to diss anyone else. It's not saying he's better necessarily than some of the other players, but like the goals he's scoring it. Like I, I made the reference after that Chicago goal. Like it's reminding me of like a basketball player. Like he's going one-on-one he's freezing guys out. Like that goal he scored in Nashville the other night was insane. insane. Like it's actually insane. And he's got 16 goals as a defenseman. Again, this is the weirdest season ever because I feel like we're almost not focusing on what's happening on the ice because we're just trying to get the games in and blah, 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 blah. He said 16 goals and he's played 30 games. Like, that's insane. He's a defenseman. And if you look at the company he's keeping, like literally historically, he's, he's just less than a point a game to start his career, over 100 games. Like, he's like in Bobby Orr, Ray Bork territory. Yeah, I think he's and, on pace to have like the third most goals scored by a defenseman like ever. Yes, in an individual season. But even like his start is like we're talking guys who won the Norris just like for fun, like every <laughs> year. Like I'm just saying, like, like every year it's like we don't don't even show up to the award ceremony. We'll just mail you your Norman Norris in August and, and you know, save you the yeah. trouble. Um, like this guy is truly generational at his position. 
He's so young. Anyway, yes, I'm, I'm just giving him a stick tap because he's getting me excited to watch games, to watch plays. You know, I watched him play last Saturday night, the, the game against the Leafs on Hockey in Canada. Like, I just I love what he's doing. And, and I think it's cool that it's just great. We, we, we do. Again, we've lost focus of it a little bit because of what's going on in the world. But there's so many great young players in the NHL. And, and he's the one who just has my attention right now. So I, I want to give him a shout out. Philadelphia Flyers fans right now, uh, definitely who are still have the words of Bobby Clark ringing in their ears that uh, nobody wanted Nolan Patrick and we should have gotten Kale McCarr. They all shed tears upon your stick tap. Well, jeez, Bobby Clark, that was a little unnecessary. I felt like, but it's, I mean, it's his, he's telling his truth. I, I, I think it's revisionist a little bit. There might have been a scout who wanted to kill McCarr. I mean, to be fair, Miro Hiskinen got selected ahead of him, too. Yes, Hiskinen went third in that draft when he sure Patrick Hiskinen McCarr. You know, I think a lot of people and then Pedersen. And I know the shines off Pedersen these days, but like that, it was an interesting draft. Like you might have argued for a period of time there. You wanted three, four or five above one and two. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at. You know, he sure's he's been injured. Yeah. But he's turned into a nice player, and obviously he's the, the, the devil's captain. Anyway, is it, that'll be a fun draft to redo in time. Bobby Clark's already wanting to do the redraft right now. Yeah, of course. Uh, that was uh, our Thursday edition of the CJ Show. Uh, thank you, everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to the show, whether through uh, the YouTube page or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, subscribe, uh, Join our Discord, sdpn.ca. The Discord link is there. You're, you'll be able to just kind of hang out with the growing community of SDPNers who enjoy the Steve Dangle podcast, Agent Provocateur, uh, our show. And it seems like there's an announcement coming, unless I, I miss that. It's... I really, at this point, I feel like with the way the company's growing, we should be uh, throwing out press releases to uh, oh, yeah. all the employees so everyone knows what's going on. But uh, these guys are so important now, you got to schedule a meeting to have a meeting to talk to them. Like, geez, you got, yeah, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, like get anywhere you're near Adam Wild. Like, you got to go through an executive assistant, an executive assistant's assistant to the executive assistant. I mean, the big, the big boss man is making moves. You know, I think Discord would have had their stick tap to Kodak Black, too. Like, if we're being honest, like <laughs> if we gave Discord a, a stick tap, I was surprised you yeah. didn't. I thought you were going to go there. No, nah, I just I mean, here's the I love Discord. I love everyone on Discord. Uh, I got to play some Rocket League with uh, some of the some of the uh, the good buddies at uh, on Discord a couple of days ago. That was fun. They all they they deserve like like every episode. They deserve like a stick tap. Like, that's not something I need to. I mean, you know what? It's cool to shout them out every now and again. You know what? You're right. You're right. You know what? You're right. You're right. Stop. Shout out gave to them a stick tack. I think that they would go back to the incidents of the week. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they they absolutely would. And uh, well, and, and then pickles on sandwiches <laughs> and juggernauts and all that juggernauts. Uh, it's OK. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. You can start tweeting at CJ for uh, your questions that will end up on Monday's edition of Ask CJ and possibly an inside the NHL, his column for the Toronto Star. Again, just reminding you, if you are subscribed to The Athletic, you can listen to our podcast through there with no ads. So uh, just keep that in mind. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We'll see you all on Monday. I love your ad reads, Julian. (laughs) The Chris Johnson Show.
Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JKMcKenzie.